0: Peace, we Today on the AltCO's Mainstream podcast, we have one of the OGs of the crowdfunding space on to talk about how he's built platforms that have evolved in tandem with the Alts ecosystem. Slava Rubin is the founder of both Indiegogo, one of the first crowdfunding platforms, and Vincent, a platform that is making discovery and alternative investments easier for investors. Slava founded Indiegogo in 2006. He grew Indiegogo from an idea to over 500,000 campaigns and more than $1 billion distributed around the world. While at Indiegogo, Slava represented the crowdfunding industry at the White House during the signing of the JOBS Act and helped navigate bringing equity crowdfunding to the American public. Slava also pioneered security tokens in the U.S. He created a way to sell fractionalized ownership of the St. Regis Hotel in Aspen, Colorado, using blockchain technology. Slava's latest work in the alt space is to bring transparency discovery, and diligence to investors. He's founded Vincent, which he's likened to Kayak for Alternatives to enable investors to easily search, discover, and invest in all sorts of alternative assets. We had a fascinating conversation about the evolution of the alt space, from the early days of equity crowdfunding to now wading through all the different options of investment platforms in the alt space today. We also talked about the alt portfolio of the future and the need for an aggregator and how once other industries, like travel, had their aggregator, the space took off. Thanks, Slava, for coming on the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. We're going mainstream. Slava, welcome to the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot in the alt space over a long period of time. So it's going to be exciting to talk through the evolution of this space and then the evolution of your thought process as well, because you've done different things, but all building on top of each other. So I'd love to actually start with your background. You founded one of the first crowdfunding companies, Indiegogo. So let's start there. I mean, how, how did you come up with the idea to found Indiegogo? What did you see? Why was this something that needed to be built?
1: Sure. This goes uh, all the way back to 2006. My two co-founders, Danae. And Eric, we were having dinner. We were talking about why is it that YouTube, which is pretty new, is democratizing access to content and prosper, which is pretty new, simplifying how people can get loans, trying to get access to capital and an investor is still all about the gatekeeper, whether it's the VC, the institution, whether it's the bank, why not just be able to see if the crowd would want to fund you. And we just had this crazy idea in the fall of 2006 and then launched in January, 2008, the original idea was actually to try to get investments. uh, But we right away as part of our research in 2007, figured out all the regulatory challenges. So we came up with this workaround, which is a rewards based model where you can get maybe a t-shirt or a CD in return. We started in film. I believe we were actually the first platform in the space back in January, 2008. And then, you know, one day at a time. Here we are many years later, and it's pretty normal to know what crowdfunding is.
0: So you obviously started Indiegogo as a donation-based crowdfunding platform. You then evolved Indiegogo into a crowdfunding platform that also had an equity crowdfunding component to it as well, in addition to these donation-based projects. So Why did you decide to move into equity crowdfunding? Maybe it also ties in with some of the regulatory landscape and the change there, which I think you were a part of as well. So we'd love to hear that whole thought process, because that kind of leads up into what you're doing today at Vincent. As
1: dealing with the regulatory, I mentioned in 2007, the workaround was to actually have donations for nonprofits or to have pre-orders of product for things that are for profits. What we weren't able to do was actually offer a return on investment, so actually a share or a stock so we kept on moving that forward then in 2012 there was the opportunity to petition congress to try to change the laws around crowdfunding there was actually a campaign on indiegogo it's pretty meta which was a campaign to change the laws around equity crowdfunding which got funded it went to congress and then in 2012 the jobs act was passed it was really exciting to participate in that working with the fcc and finra we actually had our customer from indiegogo on stage when president obama signed the bill which was pretty epic uh, then worked with them for four years, the SEC, FINRA, and other organizations to really button up the rules and the laws around the JOBS Act, specifically around equity crowdfunding. And then in 2016, that all went live in America. And then at Indiegogo, I set up a uh, brand new originator where we did nearly 150 deals, 97% of them funded so we totally understood what it was like to try to actually stand up an equity crowdfunding uh, platform.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So you've kind of seen both sides of this. And now you've recently founded Vincent, which really seems like right time, right place addition to the alt space. There are a number of, of equity crowdfunding platforms that have followed in your footsteps into you Go Go. There are a number of alt platforms across Pretty much any asset class, both more traditional alts and more alt-alts, as I like to call them, like collectibles, trading cards, et cetera. What is Vincent and how did your work at Indiegogo really inform your decision to create what you've built now at Vincent?
1: Yeah, we weren't the only ones that started a alt platform. As a matter of fact, in the last decade, since Prosper started with Lending Club in the early days of just doing loans. As you mentioned, the market is massively proliferated with tons of companies, really hundreds of companies now, uh, all finding their own deals, originating their own deals and providing incredible access to investors. This goes across the spectrum and and really high level. We think about it as there's debt deals, there's real estate deals, there's venture deals like the equity crowdfunding or even late stage pre-IPO stuff. There's art, there's collectibles, and there's crypto And inside of each of these, there's probably 10, 20 dozens of platforms. And when you aggregate it all together, like I mentioned, there's hundreds. So we were thinking about it, my co-founders of Vincent and I, and and thinking we had this Indiegogo experience where we started our own platform, originated the deals. But there's so many other folks that are originating quality deals as well. Is there any place that if you wanted to invest and allocate 50 bucks, $500, 5,000, 50,000, a quarter million... Where would you start? What is the entry point? Or uh, I think you've even mentioned, what's the on-ramp? And there really isn't a great place to think at that level, at a high level. Yes, there's places to think about where do I wanna do crypto? Where do I wanna do art? Where do I wanna do equity crowdfunding? But that already makes you have to make a decision. But most people aren't thinking that way. They have some disposable income, they have an extra bonus and what are you going to do with it? Right now, the options are talk to your buddy at the golf course, talk to your friend at dinner, or check Google. And they all have issues, and they're not scalable, and they're not really showing a comparison of apples to apples and be able to understand all your options. And we really thought there should be an objective place where any investor can look and understand their options very quickly across all the markets.
0: So I think you're getting at a really interesting Conundrum that many of these platforms face. You're solving it, but you also live through it at Indiegogo. To your point, you said that many of these platforms uh, have to choose assets to put on their platform. So there's some element of quality control. And investors, the consumers, they don't necessarily know which platform they want to choose, which assets they want to choose. And they're suffering from choice in a sense, but they may not know all that choice. So, how do you think about the push-pull dynamic that these platforms face in terms of the way they generate revenues is often through transactions, means having more assets on the platform, but then also balancing that with the quality. And then how do you think about that now, kind of at the meta level, given that you're at Vincent and you're giving people access to all these different platforms, per se, or showing them the different things, but also thinking about quality as well, because as a marketplace, you have to think about that too
1: yeah for any one of these platforms they're absolutely selling curation they probably look at 100 deals and they're picking one out of 100 so 99 deals they're saying no to and that's exactly why these investors are enjoying their experiences on those platforms but to your point that's a push and pull issue because you can't then all of a sudden start taking the other 99 because then your investor is not going to be really happy about your curation now on the flip side google Was able to index the entire internet and show you all of your options. And they're sitting on top of all this great content, whether it's the New York Times or Fox or anybody else. And those are the curators as well. We're trying to echo that model, which has really become the go-to search engine, the go-to on-ramp of navigating all education, all of your options across alternatives. For the investor to benefit, we should get as many options as possible. I think that The platforms, they're going to have to continue to build trust and curate great deals. And it all depends on how big of a platform they're trying to become. But sometimes it becomes a little challenging if you're uh, selling curation to try to become massive because they're a little bit of, uh, you know, push and pull, as you mentioned.
0: So is that why you decided after having had one experience of building one of those more curated platforms, you said, hey, let's actually build something that doesn't need to rely on curation to be successful?
1: you nailed it. So it's precisely our experience of literally building one of these origination platforms and literally uh, executing on much of what these other platforms are already doing to learn that it has its own limitations. That doesn't mean it can't be a great company. That doesn't mean it can't be great for investors. And it doesn't mean there can't be great results. We saw the origination uh, platform that we built as a finance company with tech, if that makes sense. And instead, Vincent is a tech company in finance. So we're really trying to create a very scalable software driven company that is helping to change the alternative investment market and bringing uh, a lot of, let's call it Silicon Valley traits, even though we're much more of a New York company to the industry. And I guess there's a lot of that momentum right now in,
0: in quote unquote FinTech. When you say you want to build a tech company in finance, what does that mean to you?
1: It means that we're very software driven, we're very product driven. It's really about having a great experience of landing on the homepage, seeing your options. When I think of Airbnb, I think of that as uh, a software company in hospitality. I don't think of it as just a hospitality company with software. So it's just really important to understand where your DNA is. And if we were having to curate deals every day and that was 80% of our process, it'd be hard for us to focus as much on the product. Now, don't get me wrong, the the deals is where it's at because investors aren't happy with what their options are and they're not making returns and the whole industry is gonna is struggle. But I like to compare it to you know kayak where in, in the airline industry, obviously kayak has no planes. They're not actually doing maintenance on the landing equipment, but United definitely is. And a fascinating thing is, most industries, it's not until they had their aggregator that actually the industry took off. And I really hope that with Vincent starting to you know, grow, we just launched in November uh, of this past year, that we want the entire industry to benefit and we want everybody to continue to do better. Well, that was
0: actually going to be where I wanted to go next, which is, so why in your mind... Has there never been a platform that is at the meta level aggregating all of these different investment opportunities? Is it because this industry, in your mind, is still so nascent, it just kind of had to get to this point? I want to hear the thought process of as you were building, Vincent, like, okay, why was this right time, right place?
1: I think you mentioned part of it for sure. If you tried to do it earlier, it wasn't uh, established enough, it wasn't fragmented enough, and there weren't enough players to believe in. Now there's so many players across so many different verticals. Also, you have what's happening with Robinhood, you have the audience really leaning into getting more exposure. You have what's happened in the previous era, let's call it, of FinTech, where already people are learning to do uh, trading accounts, learning to use um, Betterment or Wealthfront, learning to have retirement accounts. The next wave of that financial empowerment is to get exposure to alts for the everyday person. And the one thing which is true in terms of founder market fit, we happen to have built Indiegogo. We happen to have then created an origination platform to know the pain, to know what it's like. So having that background was very helpful to navigate the industry, the regulatory, and the various players for partnerships. We felt like we had the right package to try to put this together. I I absolutely believe that there'll be more players trying to navigate this. And in the long run, it'll be the actual investor that will benefit from all of it. They'll have more choices. Again, just like in Kayak, now there's Hotwire and there's all these other options. And all of them really serve the customer to really get more transparency and choice. Or Zillow, as an example of aggregating the real estate market, and, and there's other players there as well.
0: So let's take a step back and talk about the industry at a high level and what's going on in the alt space. The, the industry is obviously growing. I think there's now close to 11 trillion of assets allocated to the alt space. That's going to continue growing. I think by 2025, it's going to be around 17 trillion or so of assets. Walk us through what you're seeing in the alt space and why this is such a big opportunity to serve investors in terms of accessing alts.
1: I mean, you nailed it. It's going from 11 trillion to 15 or 17 trillion in the next few years. Those are huge numbers. For a financial product that usually does not see massive, massive growth rates like that. And even if you take out a lot of it, which is massive institutional investments, this is becoming democratized for the everyday person, whether they're accredited or unaccredited. These growth rates continue to move rapidly as in the last decade, this went online. And the reason these numbers are going up are a fewfold. One, in, in, in financial markets, the main products, their margins are being compressed. And it's a little bit of a race to the bottom on the main products and the opacity, the opaqueness of these alt products really lends themselves to these large institutions to want to try to find ways to get them to their customers because there's margin opportunity. And now on the investor side, said very simply, every person should have 5% exposure to alts, every single person. Now, every single person is a lot of humans. And if you just multiply that by their net worth, that's a lot of opportunity and I can guarantee you that everybody listening on this call does not have 5%. Some people might have a lot more than 5%. Most people will have significantly less than 5%. I'm not telling you it has to be a rule. It's a simple heuristic. Maybe it's 3%. Maybe it's 7%. But if all of a sudden you fast forward a decade from now and everybody's thinking about like, hey, what's your 5%? Are you doing trading cards? Are you doing crypto? Are you doing art? Do you put it in real estate? Do you put it in debt? Do you put it in race cars? that's going to become a topic. That's going to be a discussion. Just like people are talking about where they put their retirement accounts or what they're day trading, where you're getting alt exposure is going to be a really important topic. And that's where that 11 to 17 trillion is happening.
0: Why do you think that is? Do you think that's because, and I know we've all talked about this in the industry, is that like, interest-based investing, investing in culture are things that people care about, want to talk about. Even, even investing in stocks has become part of culture, Robinhood, the meme culture, et cetera. Is that why you think this is such a big trend where particularly younger people think of finance as culture and therefore want to invest and then talk about these kind of things or invest into things that they actually care about?
1: I think that's one of the trends that's happening at the higher level, people just want to be able to do better with their financials and get better returns. And they've known that in the past, they don't have the right or access to do what the ultra high net worth have done or the institutions or the family offices. And those people that have money, they know how to make money. And this is one of those rules in the playbook, which is figure out your alt portfolio And for the longest time, that wasn't an option for most people. And now it's slowly becoming more and more of an option. Some of these things are complicated. So it's a little bit unapproachable, but when you're talking about a piece of the declaration of independence, it becomes a little bit more approachable. When you're talking about a Mike Trout or uh, a Michael Jordan card, it becomes more approachable. Definitely people are able to use their cultural background to look at investment. But the reality is I think a lot of this is about investing. And that's how you're going to get from $11 trillion to $17 trillion, not because people are just enjoying themselves. If the returns aren't there year after year or after several years, people will just stop putting money into this. But I do think that the alts market is very strong and there's going to be a lot of opportunities to make money.
0: And so you mentioned that an investor's portfolio is going to look very different in the next few years, in large part due to the proliferation of many of these different alts platforms and accessibility to different types of alts. Paint us a picture for what your vision of an investor's portfolio looks like in the next three to five years.
1: Super high level, every single person should have their 5% exposure. And as part of that, you're not going to want to have your 5% exposure just all in crypto. Just because you like Bitcoin doesn't mean that your entire alt exposure should just be Bitcoin because all of a sudden Bitcoin goes down and you're super sad or Bitcoin goes up and you're super happy, to navigate the risk, you really should have a diversified portfolio. That doesn't mean you need to have every crypto coin. Maybe that means you should have some real estate, some debt, some trading cards, some art. And these are great assets historically that sometimes are not being correlated to the market. They're showing good returns. Obviously it's always hard to price the market, whether you're trying to find the Michael Jordan card, $250,000 or it just sold for like $800,000. We're not suggesting that. Uh, That's like we're just trying to time the market on Robinhood with GameStop. But we're talking about more trying to hold money and get outsized returns with outsized alpha for a small portion of your uh, portfolio. We really do think that as the infrastructure gets built out, there'll be more tools like Betterment where you can have access to uh, a continuous exposure to alts. You'll be able to navigate the decisions on your own and pick your own alts. Or there'll be products out there to support you.
0: You mentioned Kayak before and creating this aggregator and just this place where people can figure out the right flights or hotels, et cetera, is for them. If we take that analogy to what you're building at Vincent, how much do you think that people should have complete choice over what they do and you're just providing the data? and in an aggregated fashion versus actually, like you just discussed, people need to understand how to put together a diverse portfolio. So you actually start to play the role of kind of advising them on portfolio construction rather than just being a kayak. I think the answer
1: is yes. So you're already seeing in these other origination platforms where they'll offer one real estate deal, then another real estate deal. And then all of a sudden people are saying, you know what, I don't want to be picking real estate deals. And then next thing you know, you see a real estate fund that they're offering. And I see more and more of that evolving. What's definitely missing in the market is a diversified approach across alts. Again, a lot of these alt opportunities are very siloed within the specific uh, vertical. And I think over time, we'll see more of that opportunity. I think that people should definitely have the opportunity to do their own quote unquote stock picking. You shouldn't be forced to go into a basket or into a fund if you want to take on your own risk and be very idiosyncratic about this is the one i want then go for it obviously you need to manage your own diversification etc cetera, etc cetera. at vincent we're pretty excited about what we've accomplished to date it's been a short period of time but now we have over three and a half billion dollars of deal volume on the platform over 75 partners have signed up on the supply side Over 100,000 investors have used the platform to do over a million searches, and we're just getting started. We already have proprietary data showing how people are choosing between the various alt verticals and how the mix have shifted earlier in 21 more towards digital assets and more towards crypto. But all of a sudden, a couple months ago, as inflation fears started going up, that actually started shifting towards real estate and debt opportunities. And some of those digital and crypto and card oriented offerings started showing a little bit less demand. Now, maybe in general, you think that could be true, but we're showing the data as to how people are searching. It's almost like our own Google Trends, but instead it's like Vincent Trends. So it's pretty cool to be able to navigate that.
0: Interesting. That, that's fascinating. So I guess let, let's go to the both sides of your marketplace. So you mentioned the investment platforms and you have 75 platforms originators signed up. Let's talk through that side of the business and then we'll go to the investor side of the business. So on the platform side, why is Vincent good for the platforms?
1: The platforms are always looking for ways to get more investors. And the way they can get more investors is we need more people to be educated. And often the platforms need to focus on their specific offering. So if it's an art platform, they need to try to find an investor that wants to be educated about art. And if that person isn't ready to convert for art, but they really want to convert into a late stage pre-IPO company, that's great that they entered into alts, but that isn't so great for that platform like Masterworks. But what we're able to do is bring everybody on and be able to cross sell them or upsell them as they want. So here's a piece of data on our platform. The average user is gonna look at 25 deals across seven different platforms across three completely different verticals. And this is in a matter of a few minutes to accomplish this outside of our platform. You need to open up multiple tabs you need to navigate the AML KYC. You need to go through the various searches. You need to sign up for the emails, get them into your inboxes, compare and contrast and see what you think about this. With Vincent, you're able to do a simple search to say, hey, I'd like to see all the trading cards that are happening or all the collectibles that are happening. Boom, results in. You now see all of your options across the Otis's, the rallies, the collectibles and others right in front of you. Now, in the in the meantime, you're like, you know what? Maybe I want to move to venture. Here you are, you're looking at WeFunder, you're looking at Republic, you're looking at StartEngine, you're looking at others. It took like maybe three seconds. And that's just like what I was mentioning about being a tech company where we're trying to create great product and user experience. I think that's really beneficial to the end origination platform because they're able to then capture more uh, investors along the way.
0: What do you say in response to the platforms that say, I'm building this platform that's a brand in the alternative investment space. I need to own that relationship with my customer.
1: Everybody's gonna want to be as connected to the customer as possible. And in the long run, you want as many customers as possible, which is all about having a good CAC, customer acquisition cost, LTV, lifetime value equation. And we're looking to help all of those origination platforms to really get a lower CAC as part of that process. We should be able to capture every single investor and be able to show them through self-qualifying where they should go. Most of these origination platforms, they can't service every single deal because like we mentioned in the beginning, they're curating. So you automatically can't be the market because you're curating your specific slice of the market. We're trying to show the entire market. Yep. And in the process can get them more investors at lower tax.
0: I, I think it sounds like there is a lot of similarity to the travel aggregators in the sense that it just unlocked and opened up the industry even more, right? So from that perspective, even if they don't own the relationship with the customer, everybody's going to benefit from having more customers come to the space through an aggregator that makes it really easy to find and search for investment opportunities. And at the end of the day, to your point, many of these platforms, and you lived it at Indiegogo, they want investment volume or transaction volume going through their platform.
1: Yep. And, once you've actually come to Vincent, you're already like self-qualifying yourself multiple times. So somehow you landed on the site, whether it's through one of our marketing or blogs or other channels, then you actually said, here's the search I'm looking for. Then you looked at these various deals. Now you've clicked on this actual deal to click over to the website. That is super qualified deal flow, lead generation. It's just super valuable for the actual platforms and we're already seeing that their interest as you know they look to partner with us and a lot of them are asking to sponsor our content or to try to get in front of our audiences because they see how qualified these investors are.
0: How much do you think of Vincent as like the passport or the wallet for the alt space? Because I think you hit on something that may be underappreciated, but is incredibly important, which is the KYC AML. And many of these platforms, they have to build out that function themselves. They are registered entities. They have to do this. But on the investor side, to your point, the experience is very clunky, very disaggregated, and can be time consuming. How important is all of that in the process of building out the alt space when it comes to the investor experience?
1: Yeah. And again, you're talking about how to optimize product and how to optimize user experience. And to me, I think there's like another 10 companies to be built uh, inside the alt space. And the idea of having a passport, as you say, or a wallet or a mint.com or a so many different options is so young and there's so many opportunities to continue to improve it. And what we try to bring to the table is a view objectively from the investor. How can you support the investor and the experience they're going through to simplify as much as possible and to educate them and to get them the best results and returns possible. So yeah, absolutely. I think that sort of feature or that sort of company definitely needs to be created or built. And I think you'll see more and more of that as the industry evolves. And I think that's also going to be a push and pull because it goes back right to your previous question, which is the origination platforms want to own the investor. So how do you navigate with a passport? Look right now at the Google OAuths or the Facebook OAuths or the other. It's really just a matter of whatever you can do to simplify conversion, to lower the hurdles, the better for everybody. And we just have to show that with evidence.
0: I think you're hitting on probably one of the most important themes in the space. And I think in, in success cases for consumer fintech, where they've really indexed very well is on customer experience. How do you think about that in terms of the problem you're solving for investors?
1: Yeah, for us, we're investors first. That was the whole idea. How do you create a company which is partnering with the investor and is very objective, which is tricky because most of the industry and most of the regulations are all about trying to be in the pocket of selling the deal and trying to just push the deal as much as possible. We really think in the long run, it's about having investors that are are trusting you. And for us, that's about education. And the education is across the industries, is across the options. It's about providing these tools. We're trying to save them time and help make them money. And that's what we think about. And whatever products and experiences we can create to do that, that's what we'll do. So save you time and make you money.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing there too is when it comes to investing, investing is very much about trust, particularly with the liquid assets. So investors are allocating to liquid assets. They can't get their money out of it for quite a long time. How do you think about that in the context of Vincent, knowing that, you're yes, you're a marketplace that's showing people everything, but also you want the space to grow and you want people to continue to allocate assets to alts? So how do you think about that from a from perspective of kind of investor trust?
1: Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, trust is the number one most important thing as part of building up the investor base. And I think secondaries is very interesting. Part of the challenges with alts in the previous years has been the lack of liquidity. Already you're seeing within specific verticals and within specific companies, you're already starting to see bulletin board secondary trading. And that's creating somewhat of a liquid market. I think that will only accelerate, more companies will do that. The liquidity will increase, the speed and the transparency of price discovery will continue to improve. And over time, I don't think it's gonna happen tomorrow. I think it's gonna take a little while, but over time, these highly illiquid assets will find their ways of getting liquidity, whether it's every year, every month, every day, or potentially every few seconds. And I think that's be massively beneficial to the growth and the uh, usage of alternative investing. For us, we just see that as like another option. Right now, the product is focused on the primary issuance. So let's call it the IPO of these deals. But already our users are asking us to get more exposure into the secondary pricing and the secondary offerings. We just see that as more surfacing and aggregating more information.
0: So sometimes illiquidity, is a feature, not a bug. There have been times when I've wanted to sell, but haven't been able to. And I've been glad on the back end that I haven't and vice versa in other cases. And I think a lot of that comes down to A, being exposed to it, but B, investor education. So given that alt may be more complex as an asset class and that people may not have had access historically, so they haven't done it, so they may not be as educated on the space. How do you think about the importance of investor education, and, and how do you go about doing that?
1: Education is right in there with trust. How do you build trust? Part of it is educating the investor, creating a consistent user experience, and delivering what you told them they should expect. And I absolutely agree that education is one of those issues as to why the industry is not as big as it could be. And we're just doing that all through content. Having the opportunity to speak with you on this podcast is a way of getting more people to learn about the opportunities and to learn about what's right or wrong for them. Similarly, we have a blog that we're constantly putting out new posts across all kinds of various verticals and asset classes. We partner with our originators to create content, whether it's webinars or or other uh, information as well. We also have a really fun newsletter newsletter which comes out about once a week where you can sign up totally free that we actually aggregate the best articles, the best pieces of content, usually about 15 for that week all into one place. And we call that the pulse. It's usually about five hours of research saved for you. And then you get to read it in a matter of minutes. And that's one of those things where you feel like you just don't know and you're a little afraid that you're not educated enough. And that's what's stopping you from moving forward. And the same thing happened in the airline industry. You weren't sure if you were getting the best price so you were a little afraid to book that next ticket because you thought maybe a better price would come out tomorrow. And the more you got educated, and the more you felt you had a handle on all the options, you then execute. And the same thing is happening here uh, with alternatives. And we're continuing to create as much uh, content as possible. We're actually going to be going even deeper into content. We're excited to be announcing a raise. I think we might uh, speak about that here soon. But this $6 million that we're raising now, a good chunk of that is going to be going to enhance our content, education, and tools.
0: Well, one thing I want to get to before getting to the raise is something that you just mentioned, which is making sure people know what's going on in the space, are educated. When you think about the travel industry or even the public markets, so platforms like Robinhood in part have such high engagement, crypto as well, because there's consistent flow of information or liquidity of information in addition to liquidity of those assets. How do you think about Making sure that people have such high engagement in the alt space? Because many of these investments are longer dated. Therefore, you don't have to interact with either the investment or the platform as often as you would with Robinhood, for example, where, or Coinbase, where you're constantly checking the prices of the assets because you're trading those assets and there's market movements. How do you think about that when it comes to the alt space, creating high levels of engagement, but also understanding and respecting that these assets have different features than, say, public equities?
1: having the content out there to help for the education and add for additional engagement is smart. You can see as crypto grew, it wasn't by accident that you had the coin desks of the world or the coin telegraphs and others. It very much happened in parallel by having that content to get them engaged, to think about their next decision and vice versa, that they work in tandem. So I definitely see there more content needing to be created as it relates to alts to really add to that engagement. Now, the thing about alts I agree with you that I don't think people need to be dealing with their alt portfolio four times a day before and after launch, trying to decide what they're going to do. But what we're already seeing, and it's an early proxy in our eight months of existence, is we're already seeing people on average looking at about, it's trending at about 10 deals per year. That's pretty interesting. And We did a survey before we started, Vincent, and people were saying they want to do a deal a quarter. Not they want to look, but they want to do a deal a quarter. That might sound like it's not much, but that's quite a bit. That means you have to be diligencing lots of deals to be able to end up with what is that one deal you're going to do per quarter. You multiply that by all the potential users and all the potential deals, it starts to get pretty big and a big hairy mess. So that's why you want simplification, education, and a tool set That can help you compare and contrast.
0: So that's a great segue into the news that is happening this week, which is your raising around to really supercharge the growth in the platform, the content. Walk us through this raise, why you did it, why you did it now, and what it means for both Vincent and the alt space.
1: So we just launched November 1st, as I've mentioned already a couple of times, momentum has been really good. And we were thinking about how do we accelerate things? We had a lot of investor interest and we decided to move forward. So we're announcing a $6 million raise. We have Jason Kilkanis and his fund leading it with Joe Lonsdale and 8VC as well. We have Barry Silbert coming in from Grayscale, from DCG, which both a partner and an investor and obviously knows how to you know manage a big fund we have several of the amazing platforms their CEOs and executives that are coming in as in, as investors obviously you michael we're excited to have you in with broadhaven which is awesome and some other great influencers like meltem and sahil when you have one name you're pretty awesome
0: <laughs> that's true meltem and sahil both yes they're known by their first names and for good reason so i guess You have some platforms that are involved in your business. You have some, I'd say, alternative asset managers like DCG, Barry Silbert, what he's built, to some extent, an alternative asset manager. How do you think about the evolution of the alt industry and how will Vincent interface with that? Yes, you are consumer facing, but there's not just increased individual investor interest and allocation of assets to the alt space, but we're also seeing the intermediaries, wealth managers, RIAs, allocating to alts on behalf of their clients. How do you think about the kind of overall evolution of the space and where does Vincent play a role in not just serving the individual, but maybe even the institution?
1: It's a great question. So as a startup, we want to focus often in the early days, the way you die is from drowning, not starvation. So we don't want to you know, try to juggle too many balls at the same time. But the market is huge. You mentioned it, growing from 11 to 17 trillion, lots of different players, lots of ways to navigate the ecosystem. I think RIAs will play a significant role. I think that you're continuing to see, though, the younger generation wanting to be more empowered themselves. And what does the RIA look like in this industry? How will that evolve? Definitely the larger organizations are already advancing their alternative uh, portfolios. Some of them have reached out because we have some very interesting data, like I mentioned, where we're able to see day by day, month by month as to how the trends are evolving as to what people are interested in. That's some interesting data to try to forecast forward or to share with your clients. So there's an opportunity for Bloomberg of alts. there's all kinds of interesting opportunities. It's hard for me to predict exactly what's going to happen. We're just going to focus on our little company right now and try to serve investors because like I said, we want to help them save time and get exposure into alts and make money. And we have a, a big task ahead of us.
0: What's your ultimate vision for the alt space?
1: It's kind of like Indiegogo uh, v2, if you think about it. Indiegogo was trying to just democratize the access to getting investments or to getting capital, where why was it that the gatekeeper had the access and otherwise you weren't EF funded? Now flip this on the other side, which is why is it that large institutions and the people that are massively in the know, why do they get access to the deals and why do they get to benefit from the higher alpha, higher returns, but the everyday person doesn't get to have that exposure, doesn't get to have that information and doesn't have access to that investment. And we're trying to democratize that access to the alt space and do it in a way high integrity, trusted, where we can partner with the investor. And in the long run, I hope they don't think about us too much. I hope their portfolio is going up and they're making money and they're living life and buying their house and sending their daughter to college and all that good stuff. And part of the reason that's happening is because they said it and forget it, or they figured out how to diversify a little bit more risk and some things popped a little bit more than they expected. It's awesome. And if they did lose some money, yes, that sucks, but hopefully they didn't lose too much money because they did it in a
0: prudent, diversified way. I think that all makes sense. And... I have to ask, as the last question on the podcast, I always ask everyone, what, what is your favorite or most interesting alt investment? I know you see a lot of different things. You may have a very good look through into many different alternative investments, but what is your favorite or most interesting alt investment?
1: Favorite is hard. I'm actually quite diversified across quite a few things. So Obviously, one of my investments is starting the GoGo, which is still very much part of my portfolio. I would say my Oscar Robertson card. I've mentioned this a few times. I have a rookie card, uh, big fan of sports cards, started you know, uh, investing into sports cards when I was a kid. So it's one of these things where I've already held it for 30 years, even though it was already 30 years old when I got it. So that's pretty cool. Or I was like super early into GOAT. So now GOAT seems like an obvious investment. I like $4 billion just under with their most recent raise but I remember walking through the streets of Soho and there were kids waiting in line. This is several years ago now. And my wife says to me, I don't know why these kids wait in line. I'm like, oh, like they like getting these drops. Drops was like a new word for us and getting these sneakers and getting access to them because they're limited. And she's like, I just don't understand why people like sneakers. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this is an interesting trend and was able to get in early. So that's super fun just because of not so much the returns, which are great, but rather the cultural impact and seeing how society is changing and how they value different things.
0: Is sneakers going to be a feature on the Vincent platform as well? Or will you have sneakers there and then include that? Because I know for some of the listeners, that may not be something that's thought of as an alternative investment, but people are trading them like other assets.
1: Oh, great question. Absolutely. So we already have Go and StockX at the platform level. The real question is that we've been balancing through and your listeners can feel free to give us feedback. We've been trying to stay at the fractionalized level in terms of what kind of assets to get you into. And so far, there hasn't been that much, not that much fractionalization of sneakers. There's been some because obviously you get some Michael Jordan, whatever, and you're going to get those fractionalized on Rally or Otis, et cetera. But in general, there hasn't been that much fractionalization. So we've been trying to decide how much whole asset surfacing we want to do on Vincent. And that's like a whole other animal, obviously, because once you get into whole asset, there's a whole lot more we can share.
0: Yeah, that'll be fascinating to think about the evolution of Vincent as a platform in tandem with the evolution of the alt space and what people are interested in. I mean, think, obviously, fractionalization, which you talked about, and I actually just had Rally on the podcast last week. They, along with Collectible, Otis, et cetera, are providing a really important function, kind of a liquidity function in this space, enabling people to access hard-to-get grail assets that they wouldn't otherwise have. But when you talk about whole assets as well, some people like to think in whole numbers and would rather own entire assets rather than pieces of them if they can. So that really, opens up the aperture for what both you can do in the space as well as just that the broader alt space in general
1: you mentioned it alts is moving from 11 to 17 trillion there's so many changes that are happening is it going on fractional is it going whole ownership is it going to be nfts or is it going to be trading cards is it going to be crypto or is it going to be a real estate play what's going to be the next trading card you're going to get into wine or you get into litigation finance it's this dynamicism and this all these changes is why it's hard and intimidating for the average investor to want to navigate because it feels like they're too slow dealing with their day jobs. And even if somebody is good at all to alts, I haven't really met many people that are ever good at more than one of these verticals, maybe two, maybe two, but like almost no one is good at all six across the entire market, but yet they want to be diversified because it's in their best interest to be diversified. And tomorrow's platform might be super hot all of a sudden for NFTs starting to pop again, or somebody might go out of business. And next thing you know, that entire platform is gone. And we really feel that a play like Vincent allows for all that volatility to be captured in one place and for you to be able to navigate it. Without feeling lost
0: you're gonna have to get nfts on the platform too because it's so hard to keep track of which nfts are doing well which ones have more trading volume which art pieces whether it's board ape yacht club or crypto punks or me yeah. bits or whatever there's so many of these and it happens so fast that having that all in one place would also be great <laughs> we
1: actually already do have <laughs> nfts and again we have it at the platform level where we introduce you to the various platforms We were pretty early with NBA Top Shot. I remember we would be like a pretty high return, like SEO return for NBA Top Shot because we were one of the first folks that were surfacing it. And then actually Roham, as part of this raise, was one of those platform CEOs that invested. So it was pretty awesome to have him involved. And yeah, it's just so volatile what's happening, but in a good way. And we just want to simplify it for the investors.
0: You're hitting on so many important pain points for the investors in solving that. Just, just actually helping people see what's going on in this space, because they might hear about certain things, but not hear about other things. They might be experts in some, not experts in others. So it's great that you're building Vincent. Really glad you're building this for the space. You have a ton of expertise doing this. So congrats on what you built at Indiegogo and excited for what you're building at Vincent and and what it means for the space. So thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Alt Goes Mainstream. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of the podcast at any of your favorite podcast sites. And you can read more about alts at my substack, altgoesmainstream.substack.com. And follow me on Twitter at at Michael Stigmore and at alt. Thanks a lot and have a great day.